On Point with Craig's Investment Partners. All right, good morning, everybody. Before we begin, remember the information provided here is general in nature. It's not financial advice. It doesn't take into account your situation, objectives or goals. All investments are risky, none are guaranteed. So before you make any decisions, make sure you contact an investment advisor. You can find out more about our investment advisory service at our website, which is craigsip.com. Okay, last week, geez, another very rough week uh, for markets across the board, really. Uh, The US markets uh, were hit pretty heavily. Uh, The S&P 500 in the US fell another 4.6%, so it has almost retrenched all the way back to its June lows. Uh, It's only 0.7% above those levels that it fell to in June. Then we, of course, saw a strong rebound through July, through most of August, and September has been a much, much rougher month. Um, So the US market's down 23% from the record highs in January, Uh, not quite back as low as it finished in June, but who knows what the coming days will bring. Other markets around the world were also off. So in Europe, the stock 600, which is one of the key indices over there, that fell 4.4%. The UK market was down 3%. New Zealand and Aussie held up better. Australia was uh, down 2.4%, while the local NZX50 actually held up exceptionally well. It was down a modest, a very modest 1.3%. And we have performed much, much better through this rough patch that we seem to have found ourselves in compared to other markets around the world, which is which is really good. Interest rates continue to rise. So stateside, uh, the two-year Treasury yield increased from 3.87 to 4.2. That's the highest we've seen since 2007. And the 10-year Treasury yield in the US was also up. It rose from 3.45 to 3.68, which is the highest that we've seen since 2011. And uh, here in New Zealand, uh, we saw the five-year swap rate increase uh, as well. Uh, It it pushed a little bit higher to 4.42. So that's not quite as high as where it got to in June. Back in June, it was a little over 4.5%, which was the highest we'd seen in about eight years. We're not quite at those levels, but we're we're approaching them. We'll have to just see how the local market plays out on the interest rate front. But US interest rates uh, have moved substantially. Currencies, it's still all about the US dollar. The US dollar is still attracting a, a huge amount of interest, which is normal when people are nervous and cautious about the outlook. And when you've also got the Federal Reserve in the US that is aggressively raising interest rates that also makes the US dollar look a lot more attractive because you can sit in sit in US dollar cash or in very sort of short-term yielding securities that are essentially risk-free or at least very very low risk and you're still getting a pretty attractive return so when the the cash rate in America is above three percent when the two-year treasury bond is giving you above four percent that's much more attractive than people have seen in a long, long time. So the US dollar is still attracting a huge amount of interest and attention. The dollar index, which is um, sort of a trade-weighted or a, it's a weighted index that uh, measures the dollar against a basket of other currencies dominated by the euro. But anyway, the dollar index is sitting at its highest level since 2002. And, and as for us, the Kiwi dollar 
sitting at the moment about a little over 57 cents against the US dollar. So this year, we've fallen uh, nearly 16%. We're down 15.8% against the, the greenback. I think we started the year at maybe 68. And we're down to 57. Um, we, we were at these levels, close to these levels, for four or five days in March 2020 when COVID-19 first took hold. But apart from that period, you've got to go all the way back to May 2009 uh, in the depths of the GFC to find a time when we were as as low as this against the US dollar. And back in those, back in that period, I think uh, the Kiwi dollar fell to about 49 cents right at the peak of the the GFC. So uh, currencies have been have been very very volatile, um, and it has all been about the US dollar. Let's look back to last week, some of the key events. The Fed meeting was the one that everyone was watching for, and they increased the Fed funds rate by 0.75%. That takes it to 3.25, which is the highest since January 08. Now, that's the fifth rate hike we've seen since March, and we've seen three in a row of 0.75. So before this year, the the last time we'd seen a 0.75 was back in, in the mid-90s, uh, and now they've done three in a row. And... In the last six months, since that first hike in March, they've increased interest rates by 3%, which is the fastest pace of tightening since the early 80s. So uh, really is amazing what you've seen and the speed with which they and others have moved. Uh, the forecasts that the Fed released were also really interesting. They see uh, interest rates finishing the year at 4.4, so we've got a couple more meetings to go, and it looks like we'll have a couple more big hikes. Maybe you'll get a 0.75 again, then maybe a 50. Um, and and that Fed's funds rate is expected to rise to about 4.6 next year. They only had about 3.8 in their forecast back in June, so they've obviously uh, raised that quite a lot. The market's sort of on the same page. I think the market's at about 4.7 by middle of next year. Unemployment too expected to go high. Unemployment in the US 3.7%. It's expected to go up a little bit this year and then, then rise to 4.4% at the end of next year, which uh, is actually quite a big move. So that that's that's really interesting because they're not, they're not officially forecasting a recession, but to go from where we were at a couple of months back at 3.5 to 4.4 in the space of about 18 months, that's, that's, that makes a soft landing uh, quite difficult for them to orchestrate. So we'll have to wait and see how things play out on that front. The Bank of England also tightened monetary policy, 50 basis points. So we saw um, uh, the cash rate over there increase to two and a quarter. It's the highest since 2008. And um, geez, it was it was a, a really Friday was an amazing day in the UK. We had the mini budget uh, released, uh, and this is from the new government led by Liz Truss, the new Prime Minister. So her new Chancellor of the Exchequer, who sort of heads up the Treasury, uh, came out with uh, a raft of changes, sort of 220 billion pounds worth of sort of policy changes. Uh, a lot of tax cuts, so the in top income tax rate will, will go, cuts to corporate taxes, national insurance contributions, levies on home purchases. Some of that was flagged in advance, some wasn't. But lots of tax cuts, um, and they've also sort of got energy guarantees and um, they're, they're, they're capping sort of household energy bills for the next two years to try and uh, keep things held together, given they've got that sort of energy situation 
and, and prices have, have increased substantially. So a lot of that was quite surprising to markets and, and it really did spook people. You know, a lot of people saw that and thought, geez, looks like it's only going to provide a, provide a short-term boost to the economy, but we're going to end up with higher debt levels. Um, we're doing this, it looks quite inflationary at a time when the Bank of England is actively trying to reduce uh, inflation. So you had some major moves. Um, the yield on five-year UK gilts, which is government bonds, increased by half a percent, which is a phenomenal move in a day. They finished north of 4%. Uh, so that's a massive move in a day. I think the last time we saw a one-day move as much as that was 2008. And um, it was it was... It was it was the biggest one day increase we'd we'd seen. Well, no, sorry, interest rates are sitting at the highest levels we've seen since two thousand eight. But that Friday move was the biggest one day increase since nineteen eighty five. So you know it was something we haven't seen in decades. Um, the pound as well. Uh, there was some some major moves in the currency. The British pound fell about three and a half percent against the US dollar on Friday, just in that one day. Uh, so that sees it at the lowest level since 1985. But, you know, we haven't seen many moves in one day of that magnitude for a long time. I think um, that's the third worst day for the pound since that what they call Black Wednesday back in 1992 when the UK government was forced to withdraw the sterling, the pound, the, the currency from the um, European exchange rate mechanism, which was quite a quite a momentous day and the only days that have been as bad as that since then have been I think the Brexit decision day and maybe you know one day sort of during the COVID recession when it became clear that you know we're in the middle of a global pandemic and no one knew what was going to happen so those moves on Friday were were not things that happen on a regular basis so it, it is all on in the UK and uh, there are some big risks that the new government is taking to try and sort of, uh, I guess, deal to sort of all the risks of recession and uh, the energy crisis that they're facing. But they are they are risky moves. They're very bold moves, but they're risky moves as well. So we'll be keeping a close eye on the UK in the in the days, weeks, and months ahead. Flash PMIs, we saw those come out uh, for September, and and these really just told us that there is the slowdown continues globally. You know, the third quarter is, is closing on a reasonably uh, cautious note in terms of the global economy. So Europe and the UK saw their, their PMIs fall. Uh, both fell to the lowest that we'd seen since January of last year, January 2021. In the US, the PMI actually improved. It looked like there was a really oddball um, figure that came out in August. So it bounced back from that. But we've still seen three months of below 50%, uh, 50 which is sort of your break-even level. So three months of contraction. Uh, in terms of good news, there was a little bit more good news in terms of the US inflation figures, the rate of input cost inflation. Uh, that fell for the fourth month in a row, and firms are increasing their selling prices at a slower pace. Um, in Europe, it was a sort of mixed message, as you have got some signs of easing inflationary pressures, but you've also got the energy prices that are going up, so that's sort of offsetting it. So... Good and bad there in terms of um, the flash PMIs. Locally, we didn't have a lot. There was a dairy auction and we had another small gain. That's good. Um, so that's, you know, that's the first two increases in a row we've seen in about six months. Uh, you've still got prices 
global dairy prices that are down about nine or ten percent in 2022. However, uh, because the Kiwi dollar has been so weak against the US dollar, remember dairy prices are all priced in, priced in US dollars. So uh, US dollar global prices down nine or ten percent, but Kiwi dollar off fifteen or sixteen percent. So net net, you know, you've actually got a an uplift in the New Zealand dollar price. So that's one of the positives for us of that weaker currency. There's also a lot of negatives. It makes the Reserve Bank's job a lot harder at imports, inflation. Um, but some of the positives are that it is it is providing uh, a real shock absorber to weak commodity prices and, and uh, to international shares. Because you look at the US share market, the S and P five hundred, which is down, you know, twenty two and a half percent in in twenty twenty two this year. So that's its year to date move. But in New Zealand dollar terms, it's only down seven point nine percent sounds a lot more subdued so uh, really interesting how the currency moves are impacting investors and businesses exporters and central banks right looking ahead so I think the key global release will probably be the PCE inflation data in the US which is out on Friday and that that stands for personal consumption expenditures it's 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 the inflation measure that the Federal Reserve quite likes to watch it's the one that the fed believes is the most relevant so it's its preferred inflation gauge now we we had some good figures this will be for august we had some good figures come out in july um sorry actually a decline for the month of july but people are expecting the headline pce inflation rate to rise a little bit um the core pce which excludes food and energy is expected to go up quite a bit up half a percent this is all the same stuff that we saw in just the regular headline consumer price index in the US. So it's all, it might not be a huge surprise to markets, but it's still important. So those annual rates of change, uh, we should see the headline PCE slow to 6%, which is the lowest since January. So that's good, although 6 is still much higher than the Fed would like. The core PCE, however, which was 4.6% last month is sort of creeping up again it's expected to be sort of 4.7 so uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that as well China there's a bit of data out on in China uh, late in the week Friday afternoon uh, we'll get the official purchasing managers indices the PMIs for China uh, for September and these will correspond when those, with those other figures that I talked about that came out last week China always comes out sort of later than others so we'll just be Trying to trying to gauge what sort of situation China's been in. It's obviously had a difficult year. Um, you know, the property sector's a problem. Uh, you've had, you know, the drought, which has been a problem. Uh, there's there's still lots of geopolitical issues that are happening in China. So uh, it, it's it's not been the year that they were hoping for. And as the second biggest economy in the world, that matters for all of us, especially here in New Zealand, where China is our biggest trading partner, our biggest export market. We need a strong China. So we'll be watching those figures to sort of take the pulse of um, how the economy is tracking. On the local front, it's obviously going to be a holiday shortened week. Uh, Monday is public holiday, obviously. Uh, so Monday might have been and gone by the time you're hearing me talk about all this stuff. But anyway, uh, we have got the ANZ Business Outlook for September. This will be out on Thursday. And I think this will be really interesting. We've seen some encouraging signs lately. Uh, confidence bouncing off very low levels and improving. That's good uh, from an activity perspective. It's probably not so good 
you know, if you're the central bank and you're trying to sort of cool things down. Um, so, you know, it's a question of is it good news or is the good news bad news uh, when central bankers are a little bit trigger happy with their rate hikes. But um, still positive from an activity perspective. I'll probably be more interested in some of those cost and inflation measures uh, because we have seen some early signs that inflation pressures are easing. Uh, the pricing intentions part of the survey, which essentially is the proportion of businesses that are looking at raising prices over the next three months, six months, that, that's, that's been falling. Um, it's still very high by historical standards, but last month in August, it fell to the lowest we'd seen since December of last year. So that's a real positive, and it does tell us that we're seeing inflation moderate, even though it's still high. So uh, that will be the key release for us um, uh, this week, and that's Thursday, 1 p.m. Um, on the corporate front, yeah, look, a few bits and pieces. Uh, we've got a few things happening here. Sinlay's got a result, um, as has NZ King Salmon. That's a small company, not widely followed, but uh, it's still a result nonetheless. Uh, the warehouse, probably the highest profile one. You know, you always learn a little bit with a warehouse result. Big retailer right across the country. You know, what's happening with margins? What's happening with demand? How's the currency impacting them? Um, so you usually, we usually learn something from the warehouse and a couple of AGMs uh, as well. Internationally, not a lot happening on the corporate front, although Nike has got a result, quarterly result, which will be out on Thursday. So it'll be Friday morning by the time we hear, it, hear about it because of the um, uh, time differences. But Nike is a massive company, uh, great business, uh, a really high-profile dominant uh, retailer and a very strong brand right across the world and that will be some that will be a result that is as closely watched you know people will be interested in how the the US consumer is faring uh, whether there's any sort of slowdown on the horizon there what Nike is seeing out of China in terms of demand what Nike is seeing in terms of supply chain and sort of staffing issues and some of those other supply side challenges that many business have been businesses have been grappling with. So that, that's always a result that I find interesting. And there's a couple of geopolitical things to watch as well. The Italian election uh, took place on Sunday. So, you know, be watching sort of for any changes or views or, or anything really, any fallout in the aftermath of that. And there are some referendums looming in some of the the annexed uh, Ukrainian territories um, as the, the conflict there is sort of, you know, it's past its seven-month mark and it's now into its eighth month. So some of these, some people are saying the referendums are a bit of a sham. They probably are, but still, you know, still something to watch as we watch that unfortunate situation uh, continue to sadly get worse rather than better. Uh, so that's all we got. Uh, plenty to watch, though. So hope um, hope everyone uh, enjoyed their long weekend or is enjoying it, depending on when you when you end up hearing this. Uh, and um, take care out there. Markets are difficult. Markets are volatile, and it, we are at a really interesting part of the economic cycle. So it is definitely a time where. You need to play it safe, not not too safe, but definitely safe. Um, and you need to get good advice, and you need to make sure that you, you know, are well educated and across all of these things that are going on and what they what they mean for you. So, you know, whoever you deal with, whether it's 
fund managers or, or investment advisors, wherever, make sure that you are on their case to make sure they're giving you everything you need because it's not the time for flying blind. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon. For more insights, visit craigsip.com.